Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. In my family, we've got a tradition that every Sunday we have pastries for breakfast, and that's been going on as long as I can remember. And Tom and I have carried it on into our family too. It's always a highlight of the week, and Tom and I have taken it a step further by getting the prepped chocolate hazelnut croissants from Sainsbury's. I don't know if you've tried them or not, but they're amazing. Um, so last week, Tom had prepared these, put them in the oven, he'd got up early, he was making coffee. But somehow, I can't remember what it was about, I came downstairs and we straight away got into an argument while they were in the oven. Um, I think I said that he hadn't done something right and he got upset with me for saying that. So then I got upset with him for getting upset with me. And we ate these pastries in a very tense silence because I thought I could storm off, but I actually want the pastries, so I'm going to stay. But it was not a very enjoyable breakfast. Um, So we'll jump straight in to the passage from that note. And the context of this is that it's in the Gospel of Mark. So a gospel is good news, and this is the good news about Jesus Christ, written by, we believe it was written by someone called John Mark, based on Peter's first-hand experiences of living with Jesus. Um, And the aim of it is to establish who Jesus is and what he came to do. So he's the Messiah, the Saviour, who came to bring God's kingdom of salvation Last week, Beth spoke to us about how Jesus has authority and power, um, and we saw that he cast out a demon from a man in the synagogue, and our passage today carries on straight from that. So I'm going to read to you from Mark chapter 1, from verse 29, Um, so it'll be 29 to 34, skip a little bit, and then 40 to 45, and it should appear behind me too. So we'll read now. Mark 1, verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Then verse 40. A leper came to him, begging him and kneeling. He said to him, if you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the open country and people came to him from every quarter. So we're going to look at this passage in the four characters that we see in it. So the mother-in-law the crowd, the leper, and Jesus. And we're going to see what we can learn from each of these people. So the mother-in-law, we see that when we meet her here in this story, she's in bed with a fever. She's unable to do anything that would have been expected of her as the sort of prominent woman of that household. Um, She couldn't 
do anything even for herself, let alone for other people. But Jesus goes to her um, and touches her and heals her and she's fully restored. It's not, you know, I'm feeling a little bit better. Maybe I could sit at the edge of the bed. She's up and she's serving straight away. Um, And her response is to serve. So Jesus blesses her and she in turn blesses others. She looks to him and looks to the people around her to see what she can do to be a servant like Jesus served her. Um, And this happens throughout the Bible and throughout um, church history. The call to be a disciple of Jesus is to to bless because we have been blessed. We can see um, when God says to Abraham right at the beginning of the Bible when he first starts calling people, he says that I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all the peoples on the earth. And then in Matthew 20, Jesus teaches that whoever amongst us wants to be first, we must be a slave, just as the Son of Man, so Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. So we follow a king who, although he has the power to do these extraordinary miracles, he comes to us and serves us at our need. Um, And there are many people who we know here in CCM who do the same thing. They've been touched by Jesus. Their lives have been transformed So they serve um, out of gratitude and to be a blessing, to extend that blessing onto other people. So just to name a few, there's the people who come early and set up so that we can meet here together and stay late and pack down. The people who week after week prepare talks or people who prepare meals for community groups or give lifts to other people or visit people who it might be a little bit difficult to visit. Um, And there's a lot of these people sitting here in front of us today, well, in front of me today. Um, So I'd encourage us to think, where do we need a touch of Jesus to transform us this week so that we're able to bless other people? Maybe it is like this mother-in-law, there's something physically that's stopping us from going out and doing that. Or maybe we're stuck in anger and we're not managing to forgive someone and that's stopping us from being loving to the people around us. Maybe we need a bit of a perspective or an attitude shift um, to think less about ourselves and more about other people. Or maybe we just need God to provide with um, a friend or a good night's sleep or something that can help us to bless others. And I'd encourage you to think about what that might be now and tell God about it quietly in your heart because he longs to come to us like he came to this woman and bless us so that we can then carry on that blessing to others. So that's the mother-in-law and what I've learned from her in this passage. And we're going to look now at the crowd. So it says that the whole city was gathered at the door of the house that Jesus was at when he was healing. So imagine that, the whole city gathered outside here. It might be a bit scary, it's a lot of people. Um, But often there were a lot of people following Jesus, and especially when he was doing these exciting things like, for example, the feeding of the 5,000, the clues in the name, there was at least 5,000 people there when he multiplied that bread and fish and did that miracle. Or later when he had a triumphant entry into Jerusalem, there was a crowd of people shouting and cheering him on. But if we look at the middle section that we skipped over in that talk, it says that Jesus was out having a quiet time with his father and the crowd were looking for him, but they didn't know where to find him. Only the disciples then in those quiet moments knew where to find Jesus. Or if you think of the Garden of Gethsemane 
at the end, towards the end of Jesus's life, when he was in a sort of quiet and lonely and hard time, it was only the closest of disciples who were there. Um, the crowds were nowhere to be seen. So they spent a lot of time following Jesus, but were they really there to know him or were they there for the excitement of the signs that sort of pointed to him? And often we can get distracted by these signs and they are a good thing. Jesus obviously chooses them as a way to point to his kingdom because they are good. I'm not saying that healings aren't good, um, but sometimes we focus on the wrong thing. So do we come to church for the high, for the great um, worship, for the social aspect and then forget about it throughout the rest of the week? Um, is our faith on fire when we've seen something really exciting happen and then when we're sort of in a day-to-day monotonous time it sort of dwindles so you may be in that same job that you've been in for years now and it's not the one you wanted or sitting in that same chair at the library studying and it feels like Groundhog Day every day is the same where's Jesus why isn't he coming through or maybe there's a prayer that you've been praying which I know is the case for many people here in our site um, at CCM, that you've been praying and you know that it's probably in line, well, it is in line with Jesus's will, but it doesn't seem to have been answered yet. What do we do in that time? Do we fade away or do we press in um, into closer relationship with Jesus, getting to know him? Um, And I would encourage you that these are the times when we can really get to know him and experience something even better than the exciting signs and the healings that, um, that the crowd seem to be following. So I'd love to ask us, are you one of the crowd or are you a disciple? Do you know Jesus? Do you know where to find him in those quiet times? Um, and if you don't, it's not something to go away and beat yourself up about, but it's something exciting that we can get to find out more about so ask someone who's been at the front to help you to get to know this man better Um, get stuck into his word that tells us about who he is and how he stands close to us even when to us it feels like he's far away and his signs are nowhere to be seen Um, this week psalm 27 has especially been a huge encouragement to me Um, and i'd like to share the last verse of it with you as an example of how getting stuck into the Bible can encourage us to stay close to Jesus when his signs seem far off. It says, I believe I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So that's the crowd. So we've seen how the mother-in-law served Jesus, the servant king. We've seen how the crowd maybe were there for the excitement and didn't necessarily know him, but that we can know him. Um, And now let's look at the leper. So the leper in this story um, was in a terrible, terrible situation before he met Jesus. So leprosy in the Bible could have referred to a whole host of skin diseases that were infectious. Um, And because of Jewish law, this guy will have been totally outcast from his society because he was seen as unclean. So he will have had to move away from family, from friends, from the people that he was used to living with because he would have been contagious to them um, and he would have made them unclean as well in their law. So not only was he socially outcast, but leprosy also would disable and disfigure you in those days where there wasn't treatment for it. 
So he's in this terrible situation and he comes to Jesus and is touched and saved by him and his life is dramatically turned around. And of course, he responds with excitement and runs off and tells everyone, which surely that's a good thing, right? To tell people what God's done for us. But let's not miss that it says just before it, Jesus sternly warned him not to tell anyone. And the consequences of this man not listening to Jesus and disobeying were that Jesus could actually no longer enter any town openly. He had to stay out in the open places. Um, So we can often do things like this man that are good, are good things, but we haven't listened to God first and they're not God-ordained. And an example I love of this in the Bible, because I can relate, is Mary and Martha. So there are two sisters who are hosting Jesus and his disciples And one of them just sits down and listens. And the other one, who's me, is running around getting everything ready. And she says to Jesus, can you tell her off? Tell her to come help me. And he says in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10, he says, Martha, Martha, or Julia, Julia, as I always think, (laughs) you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one which Mary has chosen. And that one thing is to listen to Jesus. So sometimes we are told to go and tell people about Jesus. I'm definitely not saying never do that. So one example of that is just a bit later on in Mark. There's a man who has many demons, it says, and he gets freed from that. And Jesus says to him, go and tell everyone you know what the Lord has done for you. And the effect of him obeying and doing that, it says everyone was amazed because it came from listening and obeying. Whereas the leper here, when he goes and does what he thinks best, The effect is that Jesus can't openly enter a town anymore because it didn't come from obedience and listening. So Jesus does want us to serve him, but we so often tire ourselves out doing all the things that we think need to be done for God's kingdom to advance. Um, And we spend time and effort getting things to be done our way instead of stopping to listen to him. And as I've said already, it's something that particularly resonates with me My whole life I've struggled with this, but especially this year where my main role has been to be a stay-at-home mum or a housewife. Um, So in my head, I think my house needs to be pristine because I'm giving it my full-time attention. So I should have an immaculate baby who's hitting all the milestones, an immaculate house and an amazing meal cooked on the table every day. Um, And several times throughout this year, I've spent all my energy in the first half of the day cleaning the house and then found that by the time Eden goes to bed, I can't focus on reading the Bible because I'm too tired. When she wakes up, I can't be bothered to play with her because I'm too tired. When Tom, my husband, gets home from work, I don't ask him how his day's been because I'm too tired. Um, When community group arrive at my house, I don't ask any of them how their weeks have been because I'm focused on the kitchen and the meal. Um, And God's really challenged me to ask him actually what the priority is for my days. So what I've started doing recently is Eden's first nap of the day, as soon as she goes down, no matter the state or the amount of porridge that I have to sit in to do it, I open my Bible and I pray and I ask God, what does he want me to do that day? And I can honestly say the days that I do do that are far more calm, centred, effective and fulfilled days Um, And I would love it if we could all take the time to do that too, whenever it may be. Um, And we can trust that when we do this, God will speak to us and guide us. So we can see in Isaiah 30 verse 21, it says, 
Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ear shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Or a more well-known verse in James, any of you who lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all. So I'd love us to think about what will we do today? Will we go out from here and make the plans that we think are best for this week or for our lives? Or will we stop to ask God to guide us so that we can do what his Holy Spirit prompts us to do, what we see him doing in the Bible, what his people encourage us to do. So we've looked at the leper there, how he does his own thing instead of listening. And we've seen the crowd, how they're sort of chasing the signs more than knowing Jesus. We've seen the mother-in-law, how she does humbly serve. And then a good place to always end is Jesus. Um, So what Jesus does, we can see from this passage, is he always reaches out to us with tenderness, no matter what situation we're in. Are we in bed with a fever, metaphorically or physically? Are we distracted, chasing the wrong things? Are we focusing on our own agenda? Jesus met with all the people in the story in their very different situations with tenderness. So we can see verse 31, it says, he took her by the hand Or verse 41, it says, he was moved with pity and he reached out and touched him. Or we can see it says, he healed many in the crowds. And in the same way, he meets with us today. So I'd love to read you a quote from this book that I thought summed this up really well. So this is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, And it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The same Christ who wept at the tomb of Lazarus weeps with us today in our lonely despair. The same one who reached out and touched lepers puts his arm around us today when we feel misunderstood and sidelined. The Jesus who reached out and cleansed messy sinners reaches into our souls and answers our half-hearted plea for mercy with the mighty invincible cleansing of one who cannot bear to do otherwise. Um, So Jesus was reaching out to them and he's reaching out to us today. So let's um, reach out to him too and let him touch our lives because he is willing and able to save us. He says to the leper, I am willing to heal you. And in John six thirty seven, he says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. He wants us to see him and to know him. And last week we saw when Beth spoke to us about how he has the power to do it. He tells the wind and the waves and the demons and sickness what to do and they have to obey whereas to us he gives a choice so what's our choice going to be but whether we choose to obey him or not the final thing we can see that Jesus does is he takes the consequences of our failure and our disobedience on himself so we can see in this story which I think is really interesting before Jesus met the leper the leper was outcast from society he couldn't move freely Um, something I read said that they had to go around with signs that said unclean or they had to shout unclean, unclean so that people ran away from them. Um, But when Jesus meets him, he can then move freely, whereas Jesus can't. He swapped places with him. Jesus is banished to outside of the the towns because he's traded places with him. And that is such a clear pointer to what happened on the cross Jesus swapped places with us so he felt forsaken by God so that we never would be again. Um, And that's what Jesus does for us and he's already done it. So no matter what we've done and what our choices have been, Jesus has taken the consequences of that so that we can still move freely in relationship with the loving Father. 
So, linking back to the pastries that I still ate at the beginning, it would have been so much better to enjoy those in good relationship with Tom. It was a bit of a ruined meal, to be honest. Um, And we can be here and still enjoy the good signs and the miracles and the healings that God does, but how much better would it be to enjoy those in relationship with him and to the man that they point to, to Jesus, who has taken all of this on himself for us. Um, So I'd love to invite you to think about the things we've spoken about today. Where does Jesus need to touch us so that we're able to serve? What are we um, focusing on? Is it a sign or is it Jesus himself and knowing him? And are we listening to God to do the things that he's asking us to do or are we going our own way? Um, Because there's an exciting invitation to whatever those answers are. God says, come, come to me. Um, and he'll never turn us away.